Hey, what's up, guys? Chad Hermanson here with Mental Edge Training Coach. Today, I'm going to be chatting with my former teammate, Taylor Myers. Taylor was a second-round draft pick by the Kansas City Royals in the 96 draft. Today, we're going to touch on injuries. He had some major injuries with his arm, so we're going to talk about how he was used from Little League all the way up through high school and in pro ball and how that affected him and how he might be able to, with his advice, give you some tips and ideas on how to handle things if your son's a pitcher. So enjoy this conversation with Taylor Myers. All right, Taylor, what's going on, man? How's it going today? How are you, Chad? Good to see you. Good to see you too, man. It's been a few years. I think what the last time we saw each other, we were inducted into the Green Valley Hall of Fame together. <laughs> right. I knew I'd make it into something. All yeah. that work. <laughs> we, we, some huge accomplishments we got. We got our high school Hall of Fame. So yeah. Taylor and I were former Little League teammates all the way back to when we were 13. Uh, played in high school together. Taylor's a year younger than me. I think we're about the same age, but roughly you, uh, like you and Nick Day, or we're close to the same age, but I could have been in your grade, basically, but, you know, I was very advanced as a five-year-old, so I... <laughs> you were the only guy that had a full beard when we were 12. Yeah, yeah, so I, I did, you know, start shaving then, and, and it, my mom at five was like, I got to get this kid out of the house, like, there's no way he's staying, he's going to, he's going to preschool early, let's get him out of here. Yeah. So, so Taylor, I, I told you before, I've, I've had you on my list because it's a long list of players, and I've kind of wanted to bring you in today to talk about um, not only your career and kind of what you went through, but you went some through some significant injuries um, as a pitcher. So I want to dive, though, all the way back to, um, like, Little League days, because I want to talk about you were always one of our top pitchers, right? And I feel like you were almost at, at a young age overused when, I, when you look back at it now. How would you describe your little league, really your amateur days with being overused if you think you are or were? Well, I would consider myself the top pitcher, not one of the top pitchers. I'm yeah. kidding. Let, let, me, let me start over. The top I'm pitcher. I'm totally kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yes, I started pitching. First of all, I started pitching at the age of six. And I was one of the kids that could throw the ball straighter than the other kids so obviously I was going to get used more than everybody else and you know and back at that in that time I don't think that people really understood the significance the trauma that's done on an arm that young which actually I will say this concerns me about kids these days and I mean you're you're a professional scout and so I'm sure you see this a lot but I mean a lot of the parents are pushing kids to be something that they shouldn't be at 10 to 12 years old and I understand that it's competitive but I think that with the amount of Tommy Johns we're seeing and the amount of arm injuries we're seeing as kids get older probably starts when they're right around 12, 13 years old because the parents just want to push their kids so hard. So, yeah. you know, I don't really think my parents did that to me, but I definitely did get used um, more than most. And, I mean, I think the rules back then where you were allowed to throw two full games a week, if you think about that, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's big leaguers – barely do that and that's and why so, you threw every game that's why I threw every game. <laughs> that's you right. were that guy right 
I, you know, I had good stats simply because I just threw all the time. So <laughs> no, I, um, yeah, I was definitely used too much. Um, I started throwing a curveball at 11 years old, which I know that, man, kids these days are doing that even earlier than 11 years old, which is concerning. Um, you know, and then as we went into college, I mean, in the high school, you know, and then all of the all-star baseball we would play, and we, and you and I didn't even play half as much as the kid, the way the kids do now. Mm-hmm. And I was still the same thing, being pitched as much as I, I'll open a, open a series if we're in a tournament, not usually have to close the series in a tournament, or then come into relief a couple times in between. And that definitely had an impact on my arm. And the problem is, Chad, and I, you know, you know, it's like, because I've been asked this a few times, it's hard to determine if you're hurt or if you're sore yeah. because you're going to pitch when you're going to have to pitch when you're sore. I mean, it's rare when you feel good. Perfect. Right. Um, but I think that it's better to err on the side of holding back than, than, you know, than keep on than to keep pitching when you're sore. And I think that I did that a lot. And I, you know, I think some of the coaches that we had, um, although they were great coaches and, you know, they wanted to win, you know, they definitely left that decision up to me. And I was always the one to say, yes, I'll just keep pitching. Uh-huh. And so that definitely had an impact on my arm. And, you know, as I got older, when those injuries did happen, um, my personality, and I think any competitive kid that wants to move on, was that more is better on rehab. More working out is better. You know, go harder. You know, push the pain away. And that definitely had, that definitely had a huge impact on the health of my arm. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell as far as in my, my early years, but uh, I definitely pitched too much. Yeah, so you – and I remember, man, I, when I, you kind of have images in your mind. I think back to, like, the playoffs or really important games in high school. Like, it seemed like you were always there, like, around my, my senior, junior year. Like, Taylor was always in those big games. Like you said, either starting or you didn't start and you had to come in and close it, and you always did the job. So – you were still rewarded out of high school with being a high draft pick. Tell us about how the draft went for you and what did the college coaches see in you? Or yeah, excuse you, me, the, the scouts see in you. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, okay, so, you know, those that don't know me, which are a lot of people, I'm five, you know, 5'10", 175, 180 pounds. You know, we do see a lot of guys in the big leagues pitching at that size and, the, and they have good arms. You know, um, I was kind of in that, that, you know, I threw in the mid to low 90s as a high school pitcher with great control. Um, so I did, I did catch the attention of quite a few scouts, college and professionals, drafted in the second round, as you know, with Kansas City in 1996. Um, I remember specifically pitching seven innings one night against uh, Gorman in the state championship and then coming in the next night and finishing off four more innings and I mean over a 24-hour period you know that was I don't know over you know including warm-ups that's over 250 pitches you know what I mean you know with warm-ups bullpen you know just all that kind of stuff and I don't really put any blame on the coaches for that um, because I was a competitor you know and I remember coming on uh, coming to practice again on Monday because that was a Friday we took Saturday Sunday off and came Monday and my elbow was was just barking you know and of course my mentality at that time was just throw through it throw the pain out and that stuck with me all the way 
um, into professional baseball. And so my first season, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't pitch. I pitched one game my first season in 1996 in short season A, and I had to sit out the rest of the year. And I think that if I would have been a little more mature and listened to some of the people that came before me um, on taking, taking it back a notch and not pushing, pushing through the pain, I think that I might have had a longer career or a shot because once you damage your arm, you know, it's never really the same again. You know, yes, you're going to work it out and you're going to, you're going to be strong, but it's, you know, especially shoulder injuries, you're really going to have an issue. Mine wasn't a shoulder injury um, out of the gate, but that's where the first, that's where it starts. The shoulder gets tired and then the elbow takes the brunt of it and then it, the elbow gives. And so that's what happened with me. So uh, anyways, I, you know, I got drafted and um, I felt sore. And Kansas City didn't invest, a, you know, a thorough exam on me and, you know, nothing was torn. But I also didn't tell them the pain that I was having because I was just used to throwing through pain. So fast forward into 1998, that's when I actually had the Tommy John surgery. And the year prior, 1997, I pitched, I had a great year. Um, that was my best year in professional baseball. But the problem was I pitched with a hurt elbow all year. So my shoulder just took a beating that whole year. And then when my arm did get healthy after Tommy John, um, I remember pitching against the Yankees in spring training and I just, I could let it go, but my shoulder had taken so much trauma that it popped third game in my labrum popped. And so, which led me down to three more shoulder surgeries. It's <laughs> one of three. Wow, one of yeah. three and Tommy John's. This is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, so when I work with athletes now, and I'm sure you, because you still work with athletes, I think with your kid, and you, if you're around the Little League scene, club scene, um, kids get hurt. Like we all get hurt at some point. If, if you go and play this game without pulling a muscle or straining something, like you're lucky that that actually happens to you. What is your, so when you went through your rehab, what was that like from you from a, from a mental standpoint? How did you get through those tough times? So I've always heard, I've always heard this saying that, you know, the most lonely place for any athletes when they're hurt. You're in the training room. Nobody wants to be in there with you. Nobody really wants to hang around the guy that's hurt. I don't blame them because there's a little superstition there, you know, and you can't get better when you're hurt. You can't, you can't master your craft. So it's very, uh, you know, it's easy to get depressed. It's easy to get negative. Um, I actually went through a lot of that, you know, just being the mental, the mental battle of trying to stay positive was extremely difficult. Um, and one thing I wish I would have done is not go so hard with my rehab in terms of, you know, do what your, do what your trainers tell you to do. Listen to people that have been there before, you know, and you got to hold yourself back if you have that type of mentality. And that's the type of mentality I had was to just do more. I would go, from the training room, doing my band workouts, and I go into the hotel, do them again, because I'm thinking, hey, the more I do, the healthier I'm going to get, and the stronger I'm going to be. Yeah. And that was not, you know, that was not the case. But, you know, and that's something that young guys, that's a real typical, you know, immature thing to do. You, you don't know any better. So the guys that can, that can listen, listen to the guys that came before them, and listen to their trainers are going to have a better outcome. Did you ever reach out to any of those older because there's usually a group right there's there's never just one guy <laughs> that's that's going through rehab 
did you ever reach out to them or were you just kind of like, I, I have a goal here. I'm going to get back in 10 months. And if I can do double the work is what it sounds like, I'm going to get back in six months. Was that kind of your mindset going into that? It was, man. I would talk to some of the, you know, some of the, I remember a guy by the name of Hippolito Pachardo. He, he pitched in the big one. He was down there rehabbing and Mitch Williams. I remember, you remember him. He was down there rehabbing with Kansas city at the time. And, and uh, they were both telling me, Hey man, you really need to just, you need to scale it back. You're doing too much. And I was just so gung ho about, you know, being the best I can yeah. that I didn't listen to that. And I just kept doing more. So, you know, I, I hope that, you know, the takeaway here for kids is just, is that more is more is not better. Sometimes less is more because what they're, you know, they've studied this over, you know, years and years and years. They know what works for each body. Mm -hmm. So no doubt. It's interesting. And even from a, a hitter standpoint, it, I, from a hitter standpoint, it's really easy. Like you just, you use the term mastering your craft for hitters. We go in, we, we go do cage work, right? We do T work, soft toss, um, there's maybe some goal that says I need to take this amount of swings per day. And as you get older, you start to realize maybe because you're better and you know, you have a better idea, better plan of what you're doing. You realize I don't need five, 600 swings a day. I need maybe 50 or a hundred. And so in my personal experience, I had labrum surgery. I went through that. I, I came back pretty quickly. I was like, man, I was thrown in like less than two months, which was like, is this normal? Like, should I even be throwing? Like I can, I can do this. You know, if I can do that, I could probably throw, uh, and talking to other people like, yeah, you probably should have at least doubled your wait time to throw. Right. Yeah. Um, from a hitter standpoint, my right foot, like as you kind of turn and you turn your body and you rotate the swing, my, I have pins in my right toe that at some point, like I just couldn't even hardly walk. Well, I don't know if it's called turf toe. There's something in there within the ligaments and joints that like, dude, you need a, you need pins in there to hold this thing together because your toes wearing out. Right. So just little, little things like that. But so you had, you have three total surgeries. I've had Tommy John. So, and what they did was they did, they did a graft off my left Achilles tendon and uh, created a new UCL, the ulna collateral ligament. And then I had a labral surgery and then I had two rotator cuff surgeries because I had fraying. I didn't have any tears. I had fraying, you know, and um, then I actually had a surgery done that they don't even do anymore called capsule shrinkage. So they would actually take a heat probe and they would shrink the capsule. And then, you know, they found out very quickly that the, re you know, the success rate on that was like under 30%. So, you know, I got unlucky there, but, but the, but I guess the moral of the story is, is like, is, is that I think that just kids, throw too much they play baseball too much these days um and, and i know that's not what this is about but that's I think part that, of it for sure it really is i think you know yeah. I, I know uh i just think that kids and parents are pushing their kids too much um and i i understand the desire to see your kids succeed but i mean you really are gonna the body can only take so much and by, and by the way everyone has a limit on how many times they're gonna throw you mm -hmm. know I mean, look at Greg Maddox. I mean, that guy's never had one surgery. I mean, he didn't work out that much. He probably did just what he needed to do. And he threw over 250 innings for 20 years. So, you know, a lot of it's just genetics. <laughs> I mean, the guy's a freak, you know, it's like, you know, there's a lot of genetics that come into play, but you know, I probably could have prolonged my, my game could have been prolonged maybe seven, eight years, which could have been a, which could have been a life, a game changer for me. Who knows? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, like looking at it on the scout side, people ask me about, well, what do you guys look for like in a starting pitcher? You know, typically when we're drafting pitchers out of high school, we're looking for potential starters, right? What does that starter look like? Well, ideally they all look like Justin Verlander, right? Six, five, you know, 200 pounds now, maybe they're going to get to 230, just big, strong guys. Why is that? Because they're able to handle that load that they put on the arm and the shoulder and the body. So pitcher, like the, the guy that comes to my mind around your size is Tim Lincecum. Oh, yeah. Right? Around 5'10", 5'11", 180 pounds. Great athlete. He can do some amazing things, but there's, you know, a shelf life there. There's Absolutely. just like all of us, right? All the pitchers in general. Um, but when parents are asking, like, what are you guys looking for? Like, yeah, that's ideal. Like, we want the, we want the big hairy guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And obviously each team, every, every team's different in that regard, but um, it's interesting. So after your, tell us a little bit more about your playing career. How long did that last? And was it, was it ultimately the injuries that made you stop playing? Oh yeah, for sure. So I got drafted in 1996 and officially retired in 2002. Uh, 1997 was my best year, but I was hurt. You know, so I still wonder, and I was only topping out probably 91, 92, 93 maybe. And so I, you know, that was one of my better years, but I was able to locate really well. I had three good pitches, um, you know, an, an average fastball plus changeup plus curve. Um, everything I threw was a two-seamer, which helped me out as I had some movement. But um, a lot of the, the last years were spent rehabbing, which was some very humbling and very uh, tough years, you know, and I think that every athlete's going to go through that at some point. And it may not be injuries. It may be just like the, you realize that your, your skills have just kind of plateaued or, or, or it is injuries. And so, you know, part of being hurt is act is also part of growing up too, you know, in, when you're coming into any professional sport and not that this needs to be about that exactly, but that is definitely something that, um, that you can't get away from, but I will tell you this much, you know, going through the rehab actually made me a lot stronger person and I learned a lot and I didn't Now I'm once, I'm just one story that didn't make it. I know a lot of guys that have had multiple Tommy Walker Bueller's Walker Bueller has had two Tommy Johns from what I understand. And that guy I watched him the other night, I think he was hitting 101, yeah. you know, starting pitcher. So, I mean, but I bet you that kid listens to his trainers and I, you know, and I'm sure he doesn't do too much. So, so I guess the point is with, with that statement is, is, is to really like, listen to your body, listen to your trainers. Don't, don't try to do too much because there's a good chance you will make it yeah. back. Yeah. You, know? you mentioned so. earlier, you mentioned earlier about uh, kids might be playing too much. You know, when I, when I look at kids that are around, like we're seeing club teams start around eight years old, eight U, nine U, 10 U. Now I'm okay with that, but I'm also, there's something there where they're practicing four days a week, oh, yeah. you know, and doing, you know, how, why do we need to be practicing at eight, nine, 10 years old, four days a week? Well, I, I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you what is different than when you and I played is I think the competition's a little bit better because there are more kids playing, you know what I mean? There's more athletes playing baseball. I mean, the money and the success in Major League Baseball has made the sport grow. Um, so I understand that. I understand that mentality of, from parents. But 
the body can only take so much, you know, I mean, and it's how many times I've, I remember in high school, there was two kids, Ben Sheese and another guy that probably were some of the better athletes I've ever seen. And they're, you know, Danny Tanner, they're, they're, uh, gosh, their parents pushed them pretty hard from what I understand. I don't know. And, but neither one of them, they both burnt out, you know? So that's fear. You know, I hate to see kids do that. Baseball's supposed to be fun. Right. Right. Yeah. Eight, from eight to 13 years old yeah so but I also get I also get it's hard man it's college scholarships and being a professional baseball player require you to be pretty damn good <laughs> yeah. well too I think part of that is you know they want to get to where because it's happening if, if they're getting that scholarship pretty early you know if somebody's colleges are willing to give scholarships as early as eighth ninth to tenth grade uh, when we really don't truly know what kind of player they are yet they, they, that process has been sped up. So that's, I'm just seeing that a lot too. If they're starting at a young age of nine, 10, 11, and they're heavily practicing, especially in, in particular the pitchers, right? Cause they either they might be playing on a club team. A lot of them are still playing little league up until about 12 years old. So then you're talking about back to what you did really pitching two days a week, you know, and if you're do if you're doing that nine, 10 months out of the year, that's going to catch up to you. Hope we lose you. Yep. There you are. Frozen on you. (laughs) Nice. So now you, um, after you retired, you started to dabble a little bit in some local baseball. Is that right? I did. Yes. Tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah, that was not fun. So one thing I've learned that uh, there's a reason why spring training is spring training. Um, what I understand, I'm in the medical field now, medical device sales, not a doctor. So, but I do work with a lot of orthopedic surgeons. And what I've learned at, is that your bones actually layer over the more they're stressed. So they actually get thicker and calcify and become stronger the more you throw over a period of time. So what I did was I went and played in a pickup game and um, thought in my, thought to myself, you know what, hey, if I tear my rotator cuff a little bit, so what? I just want to have some. I'm already torn it anyways. What's the difference? <laughs> well, what ended up happening was I only know one speed out there. It's really hard to get out there in the heat of the moment and not compete. So mm-hmm. I tried to snap a curveball off, and, and I, you know, I was probably 60 p- pitches deep into this game, and my body you can work out, but it's not the same as throwing shape. And I actually had a spiral fracture of my humerus bone, which caused the radial nerve to get twisted and Mm. caused me to lose some motion in my right hand. That's a freak accident. That only happens like literally like one, two to 300,000 pitchers. So it's not something that a a person would need to worry about. But point is, is that just going out there and letting it rip is is not a good idea (laughs) because (laughs) the reason why there's a reason why there is a, a, a process to build up and throw uh, by, by throwing and exercising, mm-hmm. not just, just getting it done. Those guys, when they get to, as a matter of fact, those guys, when they get to spring training, they've already done several weeks, months of throwing. So, and there's a, there's a purpose for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, and I remember when I heard about that and when you, from the outside in, you're like, dude, did you hear about Taylor? I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, he's pitching at a game and he broke his arm. Yeah. Basically. Broke. And I'm like, like, so when you see those things on, there's been a few in the big leagues that, you know, we able, we're able to see and, and you throw the pitch, you're like, oh, I'm assuming, were you screaming in pain? Was it just horrendous? 
Well, you know, Russ Cleveland, Russ Cleveland was on the team and he was catching. And uh, I think he swallowed his chew, which I'm not, a, I'm not a tobacco user, but he's swallowed his <laughs> chew. And uh, it was a, it was kind of a gruesome scene. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't nice. You could hear the bone crack like uh, like a tree branch mm-hmm. and the ball actually flew over, you know, I'm a right-hander. So the ball flew over into the third base dugout because when it was meant to go towards home plate, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it threw me to the ground. And uh, typically when the bones break from what I understand, you know, there's some, there's some pathology there that is not good. So there's cancer, there's a tumor or something like that in your bone, but that wasn't the case with me. I'm just, I just put too much torque on the bone and it wasn't strong. It wasn't used to throwing. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was not a fun thing. I mean, I, I hate to even like talk about that because I don't want kids like my own kids are, are scared that that might happen to them. And my like, guys, it's not going to yeah. happen. That, that's kind of what I was getting to. Like, where are you at now with, are you able to like throw with your kid or can you not throw at all anymore? Where are you at oh, now? Well, I can throw. Yeah, absolutely. I just have, yeah, I have a weaker right hand because the nerve got disrupted. Yeah. Um, the doctor did a great job of giving me as much functionality back as he could. Um, but yeah, I can throw. Yeah, it's not it's not real pretty. You didn't you try to start me. throwing left-handed or anything? I've tried that, yeah. And I'm not bad, but not that great. <laughs> I was coaching at Gorman with Nick a few years ago, and Greg's kid was on the team, Chase. Mm-hmm. And Greg would come out to the practices, and I would start throwing batting practice. And then after about 20 pitches, and I've hit four kids in the back in batting practice. Yeah. He, you would have to relieve me. So yeah. and technically I've been relieved by Greg Maddox in batting practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. That's, that's crazy. So it, the, basically the, the, the moral of the story is go play golf. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a pitcher. Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, the late, oh my gosh, Tim Chambers had me come out and uh, talked to Bryce Harper's dad because Bryce wanted to pitch. This is when he was at CSN. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pitch. Sorry. Bryce really wants to pitch. And, he, and again, I had to go out there and give him my story about getting hurt. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> here's why you don't want to be a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. When, that, when you can hit like Bryce, stay away from the mound, right? Apparently, yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's anyway. awesome. So tell us what what uh, I know we're kind of short on time with you today, so we'll we'll kind of wrap it up pretty quickly here. But tell us what you're doing now with uh, your medical yeah. stuff. So I do uh, knees, hips, and shoulders implants uh, with doctors. So I work for a company that supplies the actual screws, the anchors that reattach the tissue for injuries like we were just talking about. You know, I would say probably you know, 30% of major league baseball players have some type, one of our products probably in their body somewhere or, or anybody that's been hurt in some type of, you know, sports related injury. So that's what I do. I work in the operating room with these doctors and, um, and I work with the healthcare systems and they buy it and we help the doctors use new technology. It's a lot of fun, actually. I love it. And I get to see a lot, a lot of guys that have had similar injuries to myself. And I've learned that, you know, what's funny is now that you say this, I've learned that most of the kids, it's just overuse. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to come in, they give their story. And these, you know, these orthopedics, these surgeons, they, you know, they have Tim Soder, you know, Tim in town, he works with a lot of them. And, and it's always the same story that most of these guys did too much, too early, too soon, and uh, didn't listen to their body, you know? And so 
that's that's what I do. Okay. So yeah. would you what would you say your advice is to either parents or if a kid's listening that say, you know, that teenage kid, any any advice for them? That you know what? You nowadays there's so many opportunities to be seen that if you're not feeling strong or if you're feeling a little you know, you're not feeling 100% and something hurts and there's a scout tryout or there's a, you know, there's a showcase team game coming up. I mean, you know what? And you're scheduled to pitch. I would just hold off and, and wait until you feel better. There's going to come a time in your career where you're going to have to pitch through pain, but you should do it later, not earlier. Okay. I think, I think that's, if that makes any sense, that advice. Because I've seen so many, so many parents just push their kids just because, they, you know, that opportunity is there and they don't want to miss it. And so they're pushing their kids to do it. Yeah. And I was one of those, I was one of them. I was taking, you know, in high school, I was taking anti-inflammatories and pain meds just to pitch through some of the games because there'd be, there'd be 25, 30 scouts at the game. I mean, you were there, you were on the team, so you saw it. And so I, you know, you want to miss the opportunity. And so you just pitch through the pain. Well, you know what? I paid for that later. So it's, you know, sometimes it's not worth it. And I would listen to Greg, he and I would talk, Greg Maddox, and he would tell me some of the things that I would do. He's like, are you serious? Are you insane? You did it. You would do that. Why? I'm like, well, it's your fault. I want to be like you. That's yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. Yeah. yeah we're, all, we're all, we're all trying to catch Greg, right? We're all <laughs> He's leading the way. So that's, that's just real interesting. So looking back, do you have regrets over not speaking up about how you were, if you were, if you were pretty hurt, pretty sorry, do you have regrets about that at all? Mm-hmm. I do. Yep. There's a couple times that, you know, a coach asked me to pitch and he knew that I would pitch, you know, and I regret just not saying, you know what, um, you know, I, I shouldn't today. And, you know, and there's like a stigma there that you're a, a wuss, that you're, you know, you're not strong. And so, you know, and I, and I fell victim to that. And it's very hard because any, any kid that's an athlete that's competitive is, is going to think the same way. Yeah. It takes a mature person. And then one time in professional baseball, actually in 1997, the year that, you know, I, I had a great year. That was, uh, I was hurt several times and I wish I would have just told the organization guys, you know, let's, I, I shouldn't, I should not be pitching right now, but there's so much pressure there, you know, that I, that I caved on that. So I think that any kid that can grasp that when I say kid, a 17 year old, an 18 year old, you know, not just a 12 year old, that I think that that's a wise decision. They can do that. Okay. That's, it's so true. Like as, as males, right, and as, as competitors, you're like, the last thing I want to be called is soft, right, right. Or, or not being tough. And if a coach asks me to go do it, like, I'm going to go do it. So, but there's also, I think it's a, a coach's responsibility too, especially talking to a young kid. If they know, like, hey, dude, that dude just pitched, like, two days ago and he threw 150 pitches, yeah. we should not ask him to throw today, right? That, right. I think that realize, and, and to not – as a coach, put kids in those positions. Uh, I think parents are getting better at that in regards to, no, 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 he just threw, he threw two days ago. Like he, he's out for four or five days. He, he'll be available next week, you know, basically. Yeah, you know whose parents were really good at that? It was Joey Gallo's parents when he was over at Gorman. Yeah. Because that he could throw 97. I think you were there scouting at the time, you know, and his parents put the kibosh on that really fast. Yeah, so, he didn't pitch at all his senior year, really. We. We used them maybe once during the regular year in a really important spot. And then more in like the playoffs and state is when Nick got him to, to throw a little bit more when we really needed them. Right. So, 
Yeah. Well, awesome, man. This is great. Yeah, I wanted to bring you on because I knew you had some good information and good advice um, for parents and for kids that are going through it. Um, it seems like the idea is to maybe just slow down, right? Slow down. So it's, it's a long process. Um, we're not making professional athletes here at 10 years old, right? Let them be kids. Let, let them enjoy it. Don't burn them out by the time they get to high school. I, I think that's kind of rampant going on around uh, the game and everything. So hopefully that advice is taken a little bit here and coming from a guy like you that has been through it, done it, kind of wishes, man, I, w I wish I would have dialed it back a little bit. Um, so I appreciate you coming on board, man. It's been great. Of course, man. Good to see you, Chad, and uh, good luck to you, man. I hope you get back back out in the field soon, huh? Yeah, we're, we're hoping. <laughs> <laughs> good seeing you, buddy. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on. Take care. All right.